This is B-Side, I'm Tamara Keith, and I am standing under the Eiffel Tower with René Gattel. Bonjour! And René, you actually speak French, yes? Sort of. <laughs> I butcher French um, every day, proudly, but yeah. So uh, this edition of B-Side is all about voice and identity, and we figured what better place to talk about these things than in a place where you are so self-conscious about your voice and, and you know, your language at, at every moment because we're in a foreign country. Yeah, and everywhere I go, I just smile and do my best in French, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So maybe we should go try to talk to someone about this. Bonjour, excusez-moi, est-ce que vous êtes français? Non, je ne suis pas français. Where are you guys from? The U.S. Oh, you American? Yeah. Yeah. Oui. Nous sommes tous des étudiants donc on est presque tous des autres pays. Oh, okay. So they say that they're students from all over the place, from a lot of different countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like Norwegian, Japanese, yeah. Canadian, American, Philippines, Mexican, Philippines. So, um, what is your what is your French like? Apprécie moi. When you talk to people in French, do you find that they're patient and kind, or do they just answer in English? Yeah, and in the beginning it was really difficult, but now it's now it's better. But in the beginning, when we don't know very much, when we didn't know very much French, it was really difficult to find people to talk to. I think, like I found, it was hard. Ouais, au début c'était trop dur parce que j'avais un dictionnaire, donc j'étais tout le temps avec le dictionnaire. Je veux dire ça, mais en français, oh, je comprends pas. He said in the beginning he had a dictionary. He just had to look everything up in the dictionary, but. Yeah, but you speak well. Now, do you feel like you've been here for a few months, you're actually finding your voice in in France? Like you, like you can actually express yourselves now? Yes, I think. Yeah. Oui, maintenant c'est ça va. Je crois on peut nous exprimer, c'est ça? Très bien maintenant. So he, he's doing much better now. So you learn after you're forced to learn. Like we are immersed in it and we have to learn. But we have to go. We have a meeting. Okay, well, thank you very much. Goodbye. Have you, wait, have you guys ever heard of Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's your favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie? I don't know. Oh. All of them. Yeah. All of them. All of them. Ciao. Ciao. Merci beaucoup. Now, the reason we ask about Samuel L. Jackson is because our first story is about the French Samuel L. Jackson. Sarah Elzis introduces us to him. Je suis Samuel L. Jackson. Euh, non, je suis Thierry Desroses, mais je fais la voix de Samuel L. Jackson. Et voilà. My name is Thierry Desroses. I'm a French actor and I do the voice of uh, Samuel L. Jackson. You know what they call a quarter pound of a cheese in France? My voice is nearly, nearly the same. Not the same, really, because uh, we've got many ac uh, different accents and intonation, and but it's very closer. Mm hmm. c'est un excellent burger. I never did dubbing before. I was in theater, and a woman came and she saw the play, and she called me and said, can you come to make a casting for a movie? And nobody knew uh, this movie would be a very big uh, movie. It was uh, Pulp Fiction. You read the Bible, Ringo? The big scene when he said, do you read the Bible? Ezekiel 25, 17. It was so hard to do. The path of the righteous man is beset on Not all just sides saying the words, but the to be with him and to be like him, you know? 
Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill. Béni soit-il l'homme de bonne volonté qui, au nom de la charité, se fait le berger des faibles qu'il guide dans la vallée d'ombre de la mort et des larmes, car il est le gardien et la providence des enfants qui se sont égarés. Everybody remember this scene. I, I met a lot of young actors who took this scene for an audition because it's for us in France, it's a very, very strong scene. The truth is, you're the weak. And I am the tyranny of evil men. Ce qui est vrai, c'est que tu es le faible et que je suis la tyrannie des méchants. But I'm trying, Ringo. Mais moi, j'essaie, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Au prix d'un effort harassant de protéger les faibles. Since Pulp Fiction, I did 28 movies with him. My name is Blade. I do the voice of uh, Wesley Snipes. Je m'appelle Blade. Je suis né mi-humain, mi-vampire. I did uh, Lawrence Fishburne. We were two actors. We do Lawrence Fishburne. And I'm the French voice of Eric Lassalle, the doctor in, in UR. E-R? E-R. E-R. Because it's, it's called urgence in French. They are all black. It's just because people have no time to, you know, to think or find the real voice. Or, and it's not right, because uh, I know many white guys who dub black actors, and I dub sometimes white actors. But it's easier. And for me, it's okay, because I have work. To dub a movie, you've got the screen, and under you've got a, a white band, which is written the, the text on it, and you have to watch what the actor does and you try to understand what does the actor gave in, in, the, in the scene, and then you play. Pour trouver le chasseur, il faut dénicher sa proie. You want to catch the hunter, you start with the prey. If you don't play the same, if you just make the voice, if you don't try to feel like he felt when he did the movie, you are not in, in the screen, so it doesn't work. The most important is to watch the eyes, because uh, if The feeling is okay with the original acting. You see it in the eyes. You know all those security scenarios we ran? Well, I'm smack in the middle of one we didn't think of. I dubbed Snake on a Plane. Everybody knows the story. I mean, uh, there are snakes in the plane. And uh, there's a big catastrophe, and uh, Samuel Jackson is the hero, so everything goes uh, okay at the end. Tu sais qu'on avait imaginé tous les scénarios possibles, mais je suis face à un auquel on n'avait pas pensé. I'm in the service of the actor and the movie, and even if I don't like it, I have to do it, because uh, he did it. <laughs> Sometimes I can ask to myself, why he did, he did this movie, why, why? To dub, you have to be in the service of the original. For me, it's a good a school of uh, humility, because uh, that's not you who plays the, the part. I think we should be leaving now. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You have to forget yourself and go in the movie. Je crois qu'on devrait peut-être y aller, là. Ouais, c'est pas une mauvaise idée. This story was produced by Sarah Elzis, and she actually lives here in Paris. It first aired on the public radio program Studio 360. This is B-Side, 
I'm Tamara Keith and I am standing underneath, directly underneath the Eiffel Tower with René Gattel. We're kind of looking straight up it. It's vast and huge and metal and it's a gray day. It's kind of drizzling. It's wonderful. And you speak French. Oui, un peu. I majored in French a bazillion years ago, but I've forgotten it a lot. But, I, you know, I've come here to do some reporting and I'm, I'm fearless. I do my best. So do you think in French? Do you dream in French? Plus ou moins. I don't dream in French, but I think in French. Like once I get going in a conversation, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty okay. Like this morning, um, I was talking to my friend about my dog, Alfredo, whom I brought with me to Paris. And um, I said he was the deucest dog in the world. And that doesn't make any sense. But deuce in French means like calm and sweet. So I was trying to say he was the sweetest dog in the world, but I said he was the deucest dog. And that was just because, I don't know, it's all like scrambled in my brain. So uh, our next story is about things that are sort of in the brain, uh, things that are not expressed outwardly. Voices in your head, or actually more accurately, voices in the head of writer Anna Kranich Conathan. During the day, the left and right brain work in tandem to create the illusion of sanity, their individual voices silenced by the drum and drone of domestic happenings. But at night, in the peaceful silence of bedtime, they abandon their workday partnership and raise a chaotic neurotic cacophony in the cranium of a new mother. Let's go inside. <sighs> Bed. Finally. Is the baby monitor on? Yes. I can't hear him breathing. He's breathing. He is. Maybe we should just, you know, check. He's fine. He could be choking on his own vomit right now, and we wouldn't even know it. You think we wouldn't hear that? Anything bad, we'll hear. SIDS? SIDS is a silent killer. Then why do we even use a baby monitor? Do you think he's warm enough? Are you? Yes. Then he probably is, too. Maybe moving him to the crib was a bad idea. What, we should keep him in here with us until he goes to college? College. Can we even afford to send him to college? Shh. It's sleeping time. This is why I have to do all the worrying. You never do. Thanks for taking care of that. We never changed the batteries in the smoke detector. We'll do it tomorrow. You've been saying that since we got back from the hospital. And we haven't caught fire yet. Do you think the cordless foam would work on the roof? What? Why? Well, if the fire starts downstairs, we can go up onto the roof and climb over to Howard's roof, but, but he's never home, so we'll need to call someone. I vote for the fire department. What if the fire's in the hallway? If it's in the hall, we won't be able to get to the baby. See? You didn't think of that, did you? We'll work it out. No, no. Um, you know what? I'm going to move the water bubbler up here. That way, if the fire starts in the hallway, we, we can wet down a blanket and drape ourselves with it and fight our way through the flames down the hall to the baby's room. And, 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 then, and then we'll put him in his laundry basket and then we'll lower him out the window. Um, we can use that hideous scarf we knitted. Finally, a use for it. We will lower him out the window and safely onto the ground into the backyard. 
And then we jump. Two stories. Better a crippled mother than a dead one. Oh, but I'm glad we worked that out. I feel so much better now. Now, now I'm going to be able to sleep. <sighs> Good. Could you, could you just turn up the monitor a little bit? Because, well, I don't... Are you sure he's breathing? That was Anna Cranage Conathan. She's a writer who lives in Washington, D.C. with her husband and safe and perfectly healthy son. Oh my gosh. This is B-Side. I'm Tamara Keith. And uh, Rene Gattel and I are in France in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower on a very rinky-dink little carousel here. Um, yeah, we're both on blonde horses with purple hair and we're about to go round and round. <laughs> the name of this carousel, it says the, the Carousel de la Tour Eiffel. And what is that? That's the Eiffel Tower, Tower carousel. carousel. Exactly. So we have the Eiffel Tower just across the street and uh, I think we're going to be the only ones on this carousel. We're certainly going to be the only very big grown-up people on this carousel. When was the last time that you rode a carousel? Probably at Disneyland, and probably a long time ago. <laughs> Do you think that there's a point at which you like outgrow things like this? I don't know. I mean, I think that um, adults do perfectly silly things too, like uh, sing karaoke, for instance. You know, I, I, I don't know. My dad wouldn't sing karaoke. My mom actually has her own karaoke machine. Really? I brought it to a party once. It was a total hit, except somebody kept singing Springtime for Hitler over and over again. <laughs> That's funny. So I guess when people get in front of a karaoke machine, they, they just go crazy. They're like uninhibited. And do silly things like us riding a carousel in Paris. Exactly. Scott Gurian's dad goes to a place called Nicola's Italian Restaurant in New Jersey and lets it all go singing karaoke. I was down the New Jersey shore and I was with a friend of mine and we had a couple hours to spare after dinner. And I said, what do you want to do? He says, there's a place uh, that has karaoke singing in one of the hotels. So we go there and I decided to do it. And after about 15 minutes, I got cold feet and I started walking out the door with my friend Vinny. And the DJ said, before he goes, Randy said he wanted to sing a song. So they called me up there. I was extremely nervous, finally, I started singing, some lady started applauding me wildly. She stood up on her bar stool and fell off the bar stool and lay on a heap on the ground. She was completely drunk. That was my first experience at karaoke. sing a song, everybody becomes famous for three minutes or four minutes you're up there and uh, nobody should really take themselves too seriously. Friendships have been formed through karaoke. I mean we've gotten to know people through karaoke that we probably would have never met. It's a different form of entertainment. Some people like to go listen to an opera and some people like to go out and sing. Hey, 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 
unlike other types of entertainment where the audience sits and listens and maybe with a DJ or something they get up and dance, karaoke, I find, brings people in a place together. Young people who are in college uh, on up to people who are in their 70s. It's a whole cross-section. That was Randy Gurian in a story produced by his son, B-Sides Scott Gurian. And I'm Tamara Keith, this is B-Side, and I'm here with Renee Gattel, and we are on a crazy, crazy carousel. It's rickety. All of the paint is chipped off of the horses, but we're in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower in Paris, and so we're having a ball. Now, karaoke is sort of a low art as far as singing goes. Yeah, I don't think that you could get more, you know, kind of down in the trenches <laughs> than, than karaoke. But our next story, Renee, is about a very high art as far as singing goes. The opera. What could be more beautiful and, and quote-unquote high art than the opera? And um, besides Rob Sachs, talked to an opera singer who does whatever it takes to uh, protect her voice. Meet Jennifer Wilson. Basically, people have been telling me that I'm noisy all my life. <laughs> and from an early age, she knew the opera was the perfect place for her robust voice. But let's not forget, having a big voice is also her job. Many actors don't speak any word that they aren't being paid for. And with singers, it has to be sort of the same thing because our voice is our livelihood. Nearly all operas are performed without microphones. So it's up to Jennifer to use her own voice to fill out those big opera houses. Add to that, she sometimes has to project herself over a 120-piece orchestra playing at full tilt. So you can imagine she'll do anything to protect her voice. And it goes a lot further than just drinking a warm cup of tea, which actually can have the opposite effect. Because any caffeinated beverage is going to cause your vocal cords to dry out eventually. So she has a routine. I take 200 to 400 milligrams of coenzyme Q10 per day to keep my immune system in top form. But unfortunately, that's not working right now. I'm suffering from a cold at the moment, as you may be able to hear. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, to combat this, she uses a humidifier at home and the next best thing when she's out of town. In Santa Fe, when I was there, we had swamp coolers rather than air conditioners that actually dispersed water vapor into the air as a fan blew behind it. But come performance time, things get even more extreme. I avoid noisy restaurants, you know, no rock concerts, no sporting events. I mean, I really try to avoid speaking to the extent that I have actually carried around a, a piece of paper and a pencil. One thing she hasn't had, though, is laryngitis, which can be deadly for any opera production, since performances usually only run a week or two, and often without the benefit of understudies. So when someone actually does come down with laryngitis, 
it's pretty common to have a backup singer sing from the orchestra pit while the main actor lip syncs from stage. And there are even other ways to improvise. I did attend a performance, which is sort of legendary, where in La Boheme, the Marcello was sick. And the fellow who was understudying him, um, I believe, I don't even know if he was understudying him formally, but he knew the role. And he ended up singing both his role and Marcello's role from the stage. In fact, um, the original Marcello was on the stage mouthing and acting his part while the other fellow sort of surreptitiously sang, pretending to be reading a book or something. And then um, when his time to sing his part would come, he would step up and sing his role. Jennifer has never had to do anything like that, but she can relate to the idea of playing two parts at once, because after each night of being a prima donna on stage, she has to quickly shut down her boisterous pipes to preserve them for the next performance. And while being the quiet type might not be as fun as being the glass-breaking, shrieking type, Jennifer says playing this other role has helped her develop an unexpected skill set. You know, it does make you a diplomat because if you don't have the volume at your disposal, then you have to find another way. Well, hey, maybe there's a second career out there for her in the Foreign Service. You never know. That story was produced by B-Sides Rob Sachs. I am an opera singer I stand on painted tape It tells me where I'm going And where to throw my cape I call my co-star's brother I call my... I think this is where we get off. Oh my God, I think I'm gonna die. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh, that was insane. <laughs> I'm very afraid. I hope I don't do that again. <laughs> oh, well, I'm laughing. I feel a little bit dizzy. And just glad that we've survived the carousel. And glad to be on solid ground again. That's Renee Gattel, and I'm Tamara Keith, and that solid ground we're on is French terra firma. We're across the street from the Eiffel Tower. It's just been, I mean, it's beautiful, but kind of random more randomness to come. Please stay tuned as we find something else to do in Paris and explore identity. A bientôt. A bientôt. See you soon.